0: All right, let's grab your notes out, grab your pens. We're starting a brand new series today called Legacy. Everybody say Legacy. legacy. And the sermon title is entitled Here and There. Look at somebody and say here and there. Here and there. Come on, look at somebody else and say here, here. and there. Here. Have you ever been in high school or college or even junior high? Can you go back that far, back during the 1900s and <laughs> You would be geographically in a classroom setting, but your thoughts and your mind and your emotions are on the weekend. <laughs> How many have ever been on a job? You've been in a job, your career, and it's Thursday, 3 pm. You are geographically in your job, but your heart and your mind is somewhere else on the weekend. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in church? And you were geographically in the building, but your mind and your thoughts and your stomach was at Chili's. (laughs) We all know what it's like to be here and our thoughts and minds actually there. Here and there. This is where we currently are, but our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, everything else is somewhere else. Well, today I want to talk to you about here and there, here and there, that we are here on planet Earth, but... We are thinking about heaven. Today, I want to talk to you about heaven and the investment, the treasures that are stored up for you in heaven. And I love Christmas. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. The song got it right. We love everything about Christmas, but can we be honest for a second? For Christmas, a lot of people, it's the hardest time of the year. There's actually more suicides from Thanksgiving to Christmas than any other time in the year combined. It's a difficult season, and it's not because people have more problems. It's because they're more aware of their problems during this time. They're thinking about Christmas. They're thinking about families. They're thinking, and then they start thinking about the lack of what they have. And depression sinks in. And loneliness sinks in. And I'm telling you, our, our job, our heart as a church, our mission is to represent Jesus Christ to the hurting and broken. So that they too can find hope and healing in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, clap your hands and say a good amen. It's our heart. That's why we exist, to point people to Christ. And we don't want to create a church for church people. Like how selfish of us. To create a church service just for church people. Like heaven and hell are realities. We will all spend eternity in one of two places. And and how selfish of church people to just think about church people and not people who aren't here yet. So we can't just create an environment and an atmosphere and a service just for us. God's not going to be like, hey, did you enjoy my presence and service? He's going to say, what did you do to find lost people that are hurting and broken and don't know me yet? So I'm telling you, our church is all about finding God's lost kids. And we want to do whatever we can short of sin to reach people and really to build a church that fulfills the last words of Christ, the Great Commission, as we call it. We want people to know God. So Sundays aren't just for us. Church people will get fed, unchurch people will get fed. Whether you're an atheist or whether you're a, a Christian for 50 years, we're all going to get something to leave with on a Sunday because we want to introduce you to God on a Sunday. When 90% of the people who give their life to Christ do so at a church service, we have to make church services in, a, in evangelistic setting so that people can come to know him. Get this, get this. How many enjoy at the movies? How many were a little bummed when you didn't have a soda when you walked in today? Like we were giving free popcorn and soda out for Out the, the movie series okay check this out you say well what, what good was that what good was that I'll tell you how good it was you ready get ready to clap 1700 people gave their life to Christ in the last series about the movies 1700 people every name has it represents a soul a family somebody who stretched their hand out and said I'm ready to give my life to Christ and we're encouraging them to then take the next steps in discipleship and small groups. So Sundays, we want you to know God. And then secondly, secondly, we want you to find freedom. And that doesn't just happen. I mean, you, you, need to ha- you need to do that in relationship. And I want to encourage you, jump in a small group. Our small groups begin in February. And God's tapping many of you on the shoulder to lead a small group. And I want to encourage you to step out there. A young lady came to me, teenager. She was like, hey, Sean, last night at the Dream Team party, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lead a small group. I'm a little nervous. I said, That's okay. What's the worst that can happen? Nobody shows up. Big deal. You have a night off. But what's the best thing that can happen? What if you intercept somebody's destiny? What if you change their life forever and for generations? Would that be worth it? So get in a small group. Lead a small group. Let us know if you want to lead one. We'll help coach you. And it could be almost from anything from basketball to Bible study, anything in between because it's about relationship. And then we want you to discover purpose. Discover your purpose. That's through our growth track. Our growth track, this is the best time of the year to, to do this because it's a, it's a fast track. It's normally four Sundays, but we squeeze them in three in December because of Christmas. So for those of you that have been waiting for a fast track, this is your opportunity. So it's happening now, or you can come back uh, tonight at 515 and be a part of that. But listen, some of you just need to pick three or four Sundays and just do it. Just get in and, and find out your gifts. And your purpose so that you can do the fourth thing. A lot of people, they love love God. They want to come to church. They get free from their issues. But they never discover their purpose. And they never live a life that's making a difference. Like, don't just come to church. Make a difference. And this is what legacy is all about. Where we're living our life down here to make a difference for eternity. You're wired for that. You are hardwired to make a difference in somebody else's life. And let me tell you who put that there. God did. He put it there. And that's really been the motivation that's made the church give and grow like no other organization on the planet. No other organization on the planet throughout history has helped more people, fed more poor, reached more hurting and broken people than the church of Jesus Christ. It is, it's, that, it's when you tap into that potential, it will cause you to live differently here on earth. It literally changes your perspective, your paradigm. And it's the solution to a lot of what you've been going through. A lot of you have been thinking, man, I'm struggling with me. And here's, here's the tendency. I'm just going to work on me. Well, God never intended for you to just work on you for the rest of your life. At some point, he hoped that you'd found your purpose so that you could spend a little bit of your time actually doing it to make a difference in somebody else's life. Here's, here's the difference that I've found personally. There have been moments where I struggle with depression and, and insecurities, and I focus on me. When I focus on me, it gets worse. You want to stay home, close the blinds, don't go out. I'm just going to focus on me, Netflix, and and more ice cream. And do you feel better after that? No. I feel worse. I mean, maybe a little better after the cookies and cream, but mainly worse. But the Bible says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's when you get out of yourself and you begin to give your life to make a difference in somebody else, you'll find depression begins to fall off of you. Why? Because you were created to be a blessing. So we want to help you discover how to do that. And leave a legacy, leave a a mark on eternity and realize that there is more to this life than this life. There's more to this life than this life. The Bible uses as a motivation all through the Bible to live generously and to give your life away. And here's the motivation over and over and over. You ready for it? It's heaven. Like heaven's given as a motivation in the Bible. And we live on earth for a short time. And God's almost testing us. It's like salvation is free. You receive the grace of God. You're saved by grace. It's not anything that you work for. It's receiving the grace of God. It's a gift. But then there are certain rewards in heaven that the Bible talks about. And that's based on how you live down here on earth. And uh, we don't talk about that a lot. But I'm telling you, when you live in such a way down here to make a difference for eternity, you get God's attention. And usually in Scripture, when it talks about making a difference... Heaven is the motivation to do that. The Bible says, so we store up treasures in heaven. We talk about heaven as a blessed hope. For those of you who've ever lost a loved one, and they have placed their faith in Christ, and it's so difficult because of separation physically on earth, but you have this blessed hope. The Bible says we don't mourn as those who have no hope, because you know one day you will be with them again in heaven. This may not bless everybody, but this will bless a few people who have had some loved ones go beyond the blue, beyond this earth, and they're in heaven. And I oftentimes think, like, if they were asked, do you want to come back? Like after they've seen their Savior, and those who have gone on before them, their family members. And then on top of that, that there's no time in heaven. And all of us time-bound people down here with our watches and our calendars and our iPhones and our alerts. They realize they, don't, they wouldn't want to come back because everybody else would be here in a minute. It is a blessed hope. I'm trying to give you a new perspective of heaven, everybody. I want you to see heaven in a different light. I heard 96% of people believe there's an afterlife. 96 people, like even atheists. So many people have a, like they have a view and they think that there's some type of afterlife. They may not know what it looks like, but who put that there? God did. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, the Bible says that he put eternity in the hearts of men. He put it there. There's a seed there. So it makes sense when Jesus and other New Testament writers will come along and they they use heaven as a motivation, and today I want to show you two places in Scripture. There's a lot, but I'll show you two, and then I want to show you why we ought to invest our time, our energy, our resource into heaven and not just here on earth. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Paul is writing, and he's, he's, he's a guy, an apostle. He's over a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, and he writes to one particular pastor, a son in the faith, and he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, look at me for a second. Because some of you are like, well, I ain't rich, so I'm out. <laughs> okay, wait a second. You may not think that you're rich in comparison to the rest of the world. Yeah. You're rich. Do yeah. you have a car? Do yeah. you got more than one pair of clothes? Yeah. You got a roof over your head? I mean, that's, that constitutes. And it's interesting because he didn't, he didn't have to tell the poor to be generous here. He's talking to the rich because the poor often give more percentage wise than rich people do. Interesting fact, because the more we get, the harder it is to give away. This one guy came to his pastor and said, Pastor, would you just pray over me? I want to I be able to tithe. So the Lord blessed him and said, Man, I, I bless you. Like, Lord, give him resource to be able to tithe. So he, he started giving uh, $100 a month as a tithe. And then the Lord blessed him, and pretty soon his tithe went up to to $1000 a month and then God really blessed him and he's giving $10,000 a month to the Lord and then he talked to his pastor one day he was like hey pastor you got to pray for me again like i just don't know if i can i can like give this much this is really difficult for me i'm giving $10,000 away could you pray for me and the and then the pastor said oh right, yeah sure no problem so he prayed for him lord i pray that you take his salary back down to where he he can only pa- he can only give $1000 a month lord just so he can be faithful. That's funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like the more we get, the harder it is to part with. When we have to remember if the same God who blessed us here is the same God who blesses us here. He's the same God who took care of us here. He's the same God who can take care of us here. But it's not for us. It's not just for us. It's to be a blessing. When we're blessed, we're blessed to be a blessing. Say that with me. Well, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on, say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Command those who are rich in this present world, where we are here, here, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Hello, recession of 2008. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So you don't have to give everything away, like it's okay to enjoy some stuff. That's all right. There's some teaching that says, oh, yeah, it's not good that you enjoy anything. That's not true. We see it in Scripture. It's okay to enjoy some stuff. But command them to be good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Amen. Is there anybody here that struggles with being selfish? Okay, well, how many liars are in the room? Anybody struggle with that? Come on, how many ever struggle being selfish? I'm a selfish being by nature. I love to give, but there's, come on. Here's a confession. <laughs> my wife and I, several years ago, several years ago, we're driving from L.A. back home, and I'm hungry, and so I pull off at a, at a fast food restaurant, and I pull into the driveway, and we're at the, the little speaker here, and someone comes on, and says, hey, you know, the speaker, you could barely understand, and I'm like, hey, I'll have a cheeseburger, fry, and a drink, and I turn to my wife, and I say, what would you like she says nothing <laughs> so i go to the next window and i pay and then a mile on the freeway she asks can i have a bite <laughs> excuse, excuse me can i have a bite she starts to reach and i you know as they reach i'm driving and i lean over like <laughs> let me think about this for a second and I, I, I clarified with her, because I think she maybe forgot. And I said, do you remember when we were in the drive-thru? Because I asked you, what would you like? And you, you, you said, you said, now, is there any husbands in the room that can testify? You I didn't say nothing. I would have gladly purchased an entire meal for you, but it was you who said, I don't want anything. And now you want to ask for, a, I only have so many bites of this cheeseburger. And I just want to let you know that this cheeseburger is mine, the fries are mine, the drink is mine, even the fries in the bottom of the back, those are mine too. This is all mine. I gave her a bite, but I didn't like it. <laughs> Listen, how many times have we just been so selfish in life where we think it's all about us? And the Bible commands us, be willing to share, be generous on every occasion, be generous and try to share every place that you can. This is a command of God. And today I want to encourage you today because many of us have struggled with this, but there is is something else we're investing in, everybody. There is a life after this life that we're investing in, and and most of us don't really think about it. I want to encourage you to live cross-eyed. To have one eye here and one eye on eternity. To be thinking about it. Part of my job as a pastor is to prepare you for this. Because we live here, but there's a there too. We have a present age, but there is a coming age that's coming one day. And I want you to be ready. So we invest our time, our talents, our thoughts, our emotions, our resource into heaven for several reasons. Write this down if you're a note taker. Number one, because heaven, not earth, is our home. Heaven is our home. That's where we're going. That's, where we're That's why we're living the way we're living. That's why we're, we're doing what we're doing because heaven is a true reality. And, and we're just passing through. And honestly, some of the best pastoral advice I could give you is this, that I know it's rough. I know it's tough down here. Jesus promised it would be. He said, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage because I've overcome the world. This, though, is not your final destination. However hard it is down here, however broken it is down here, however sinful it is down here, this will not be your final destination. I'm praying that God gives you a fresh glimpse of heaven today to encourage you. This is not our home. We're just passing through. My daughter, when she was five years old, i never forget this day. We were at a, a, mi- a middle school down the street when we were setting up and tearing down. Mariah, who was playing the drums today, She's in worship. She's worshiping Jesus. And her papa is standing right here. And in a moment of worship, I mean, worship was so amazing. She turns up and she says to papa, I see heaven. I mean, her papa just starts crying. He's, he starts to cry. He's tearing up. He's thinking, this, this is amazing. Like God has opened up her eyes to see heaven at such a young age. She, God has given her the ability to have a vision of what heaven would be like and he's like this is so amazing like honey what what, what do you like what do you see what what did god show you and my, my daughter looked up and she's like oh no my friend heaven just walked in over there she's with her family <laughs> that is a true story well, that heaven still comes to this church, and we're grateful for that heaven, but how many are grateful for a God who's provided heaven and eternal life to everybody who calls on his name? Come on. We ought to take a couple seconds and just clap our hands and thank God for heaven today. <laughs> we're grateful. We're just passing through this place, everybody. In John fourteen six. it's an incredible passage, but... The disciples of Jesus come over, and they're broken, and they're depressed, and they're discouraged, and they talk to Jesus, and Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't be depressed, and you would think that Jesus, the Savior, would say, well, let's just pray right now and squash all that. He doesn't do that. He actually, he actually points to heaven. Look at it in your notes. John, John chapter 14 it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and he points to heaven. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. It's interesting because any time that the disciples came to Jesus with an earthly problem, Jesus pointed them to a heavenly solution. Jesus, I got a lot of problems down here. Hey, listen, it's not always going to be like this. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming back. And I will take you with me to be with me forever. Listen, we are living for there. We're living for there. Our songs don't reflect this much these days. The older generation understood this principle. The older generation, I love talking to the older generation because all of their conversation is centered around heaven. Most of their songs are about heaven they get together and sing song after song, hymn after hymn, hymn after hymn about heaven. Nowadays, most of our songs are not about heaven. They're about us. God, do something for me. Help me. Bless me. Do this and me. It's very self-centered.
1: But back in the day, they would sing songs like, oh, I want to see him. Just a look upon his face. There to sing forever. Of his saving grace On the streets of glory Let me lift my voice Cares all past I'll be home at last Ever too see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets some glory let me lift my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice oh y'all don't know none about that i'm telling you there's something special A seed that was planted in the older generation to understand there is a heaven waiting for us. This world is not our home. This is not our final destination. Thank God for the promise of heaven. Thank God that there's somewhere beyond the blue. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Come on.
0: I want you to get a new perspective of heaven Because the more you have down here on earth, it'll trick you into thinking that this is all that. (laughs) The more that you acquire down here, and the more blessing that God gives you down here, you got to be careful. That this blessing doesn't turn into a stumbling block. That this world is not our home. We're looking for something beyond this. God has so much more in store for us. Philippians 3 verse 18 Says, for as often as I've often told you before, and now tell you again with even tears. So picture Paul writing on this parchment paper with tears streaming down his eyes. He says, Many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. What is he talking about? Their, their God is their stomach? Like, what is that? Does that mean? Like, ooh, worship the six pack, look, check. What is he saying? He's saying that indulgence has become their God. Not just the stomach, but he's, he's using it as an analogy, and I'll show you this, prove this in the next verse. But he's saying indulgence has, has distracted them from the real meaning of life. Amen. That whatever their flesh wants, their desires want, that to them has become a God. How many of you know anything can become a God when it replaces the capital G-O-D in your life? Not just another idol or another religion. It's, it's like whatever we put before God becomes a false idol, a false God in our life. And he says this. He says, I'm, I'm writing with his tears because many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on what? Earthly things. It's not just their stomach. Like, <laughs> it's a, the thing about earth and everything in it. And that becomes a distraction. But our citizenship is in heaven. Come on, shout heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another reason why we invest in heaven. Heaven, not earth, is our home. Write this down. Eternity is longer than our time on earth. We invest in heaven because eternity is so much longer than our time on earth. I mean, think about it. What, is, what do people live to these days? 70, 80, 90. My grandpa's 94. Some of you have family members who live to be 100. Okay, what is that in comparison to eternity? Even if they come out with a pill, let's say that they invent a pill, and it helps you live to be 150. What is that in comparison to eternity? It's just a blip on the radar screen. So we live a little bit of time here and forever somewhere else. And I want to encourage and help as many people go to heaven as possible to realize you don't have to pay for your own sin. Let Jesus pay for it. You don't have to work your way into salvation. It's already paid for. Accept the grace of God. And I'm telling you, you'll never regret that. Amen. So here we have, we have the idea that eternity is, is something we should invest in. I remember a time when we lived in a different house. and my, We were going to move. And my wife kept saying hey Sean I really want to invest in this I want to do more in here and there and I looked at her I was like babe why would I want to invest more here when we're not staying here (laughs) you can invest a little bit on earth but why would you invest everything here on earth when we are not staying here come on is there anybody that's grateful today that we have the hope of heaven Hebrews chapter 11 talks about some great men and women who served God with all their heart. And and many of these guys, it it didn't work out too well here on earth for them. Like they didn't see everything come to pass, but God still commends them for their faith. Why? Because of the way they lived. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 says, people who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. They were after a far better country. It's far better that. It's a heaven country, and you can see why God is so proud of them, and he has a city, capital C, waiting for them. Yeah. This is incredible to me, because too many people have convinced themselves that, that earth is better than heaven. I mean, we live that way. I remember as a child, I was about four or five years old. I remember this very vividly. I was praying one night in my room in Oakland, and I was, I was asking the Lord not to come back and I was a little nervous because as a child you're like hey he's gonna come back it seems scary to me and um I was just praying and here's my prayer I said I said Jesus I mean I was I was so serious Jesus please don't come back before I can go to Disneyland (laughs) I mean if I could just go there first and then that was my prayer honest to God might sound stupid but I've been to his land, so he can come back at any moment yeah. <laughs> now. Anyway, I'm ready. Marinatha. But that sounds funny and that's cute, but many of us aren't ready for his return. Like many of us are not looking forward. But why? Because the things of the world have they have choked out your enthusiasm for Christ. The materialistic things have choked it out to where it's not, we're not pining for, we're not singing songs about, we're not thinking about, we're not investing in heaven because we're so consumed with what's in front of us. I'm telling you, this is a far better place to be. And there's a lot of bad thoughts about heaven. Like, what is it going to be? What are we going to do up there? A lot of people are like, man, I just, I don't know, I think we're just going to be like fat little baby angels playing harps and singing in a choir. <laughs> like, that's heaven. No, that's actually hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's not heaven. That's not heaven. Heaven is far better, the Bible says. And by the way, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. A new earth that is perfect. Like no traffic in the Bay Area, perfect. Like Krispy Kreme hot sign that stays on 24 hours a day, perfect. Like your favorite football team, they win every Sunday, perfect. I'm kidding, of course. That wouldn't be so shallow. Your team's never going to win. But, 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 here's the good news good news is he's given us a picture of heaven. And although in our finite minds we have tried to imagine what that would be like, we can't in full, we can't fully comprehend that. So he's given us pictures and word pictures and trying to describe how beautiful, wonderful it is. We won't even be able to take it in. You need a better view of heaven, everybody, to think about this. Here's another reason why we direct our time, attention, and resource into heaven because there's limited time and we have an incredible opportunity. We have a limited amount of time to do this on earth, but there's an incredible opportunity. It seems like the older we get, the faster time flies. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, like the 18-year-old is like, man, I just got my whole life ahead of me. YOLO, what? Wait till you get 30. Wait till you get 40 and 50 60. It seems like the decades go by so much faster. And at the end of people's lives, they're not wishing that they would have had more stuff. They wish that they would spend more time with friends and family and that they would have made a difference. I believe there's never been a greater time to be the church than this decade. I believe that God is doing something so special since the history of the church, since the beginning of the church 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and commissioned the church to be the church. I don't believe there's ever been a greater sense of revival than right here and right now. Think about what God is doing in this church. I mean, this church has grown on a weekly attendance in the last year and a half by 3,000 people. We're planting more churches in America planted over 100 churches this year in America. God's extending our reach. And the Nicaragua trip, come on. We reached 800,000 people in a week? This is insane. What God is doing is mind-blowing, mind-boggling. And to think that there's still more to do? This is overwhelming to me. And our church, you got to know, our church is not just thinking about this church. It's thinking about how could we make a difference everywhere we are. Now, I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people like church leadership people would say, don't do. Don't do not say. But we don't even need all the money you give us. Some people say, don't say that to the church because people will stop giving. I actually think the opposite. I think it would cause people to give more because they see the investment. We run this church on less than 70% of what comes in. So, so, We are able to do more with the money that comes in opposed to just keeping lights on. We're making a difference in eternity. We gave away, listen, you gave away $450,000 last year to help other churches in the Bay Area, other churches in America, outreaches in the Bay Area, and nations in places you and I will never go. Why? Why? How are we able to do that? Because of your generosity. Like, it's, it's so important for you to know the return on your investment. I showed a video last night at our Dream Team party, and people are bawling their eyes out. Because I don't believe that people give so that we can have a big stack of cash somewhere. I don't think when God returns, when Jesus returns, he's going to be like, hey, how much money did you save in the bank? <laughs> We're, I don't want any money in the bank when he comes back. Like, let me preface that. We're really good with our money, and we only operate 90% of last year's budget, so there's even margin there. So you got to know, we've been really good with the money, but I don't believe that we want to just save money. We want to spend it so that people can come to know hope and healing in Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? Is this making sense? Like, we have so much vision. I I have so much vision. I only share with you probably about 10 or 15%. Some of y'all couldn't handle the vision if I shared it with you. But we will always have more vision than resource. And we talked to about four or five pastors a week, just training them and talking to them. And, and uh, we have one of the pastors here on the front row today. Love you guys. Come on, let's clap our hands for them all the way from San Francisco, <laughs> Planning a church. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> when well, we talk to a lot of pastors, and we say this, like, hey, you need to have enough vision for if somebody came and wrote a million-dollar check or a $5 million check, what would you do with that? Would you even know where that money should go? Like, if somebody wrote us a million-dollar check tomorrow, I know exactly where it should go. We have it planned out. I mean, I know exactly how to spend that money to get a great return on your investment. And I know because God has called us not to just plant one campus, but I believe that there are more campuses, more extension sites of this church in the Bay Area. Come, come on. How many, how many are grateful that this church changed your life? We can't be selfish with it. We have to extend our reach. I believe that God wants us in other cities. I believe that there are more people that need to be found and need to know about the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ. I believe our college is amazing. I believe God wants to expand the college to raise up more young people for ministry in these last days. There's so much. We have so much vision compared to the resource, and that's okay. We'll expand at the speed of your generosity. We're not going to expand quicker than you give. We'll expand as you give we're not overcommitting the church that'd be stupid but as it comes in we're able to reach more people so with all that said let's try and redirect our lives to make a difference and you'd agree with this statement come on you'd agree with this greedy people make the world worse generous people make the world better let's be generous Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 Ephesians 5 15 says be careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. We know this, that to whom much is given, much is required. As God gives more, we have to steward it better, and we need to recognize our moment. Why? Why do we invest? Write this down. Because it's smart. We invest in heaven because it's just smart. Jesus, in motivating people to serve, he said in Matthew 6, he said, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths cannot rust, and our moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Watch this, watch this. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's desires will be also. It's where your heart is. Have you, ever, um, have you ever had stock in something? You bought stock, and when you buy stock, you're checking it all the time? Like, is it growing? Is it growing? Why? Because your money's there. Your heart is where your treasure is. I'm telling you, give, worship. Serve, get on the dream team, go through the growth track, get in a small group, worship God, give your life to God, and your heart will follow. My heart is in this church, everybody. Why? Because my wife and I have given our time for the last 15 years to this church. We have given thousands of dollars. Our treasure isn't here, so our heart is too. It's connected to you. Before you were even here, we were giving in hopes that you'd show up just so that we could tell you about the love and the grace of Jesus. Like, this is, this is not just us, but it's, it's thousands of people now giving towards the future of reaching more people. And Jesus, again, uses eternal life as a motivation. He tells the guy in Luke chapter 12, the other side of your notes, check it out. He says, and, and he told this parable story, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I shall do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will... Store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds good. The next verse is not so good. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get all that you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but are not rich towards God. As your pastor, I feel compelled to prepare us for this. That this guy in the text, he was like, it's my crops, it's my barn, it's my surplus. He thought the extra was just for him. When God gives you extra, it's to bless you, bless your family, enjoy some of it, yes. Don't feel guilty about it. God, It's not a, it's not a sin to be rich. It's great. God blesses you. That's great. If you're struggling, it's okay. Like it, one's not better than the other. But when God does bless you, begin to think about heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to I build my heavenly portfolio. Amen. I want to begin to build my heavenly portfolio. And here's how, okay, here's how. Number one, number one, write this down. Give yourself to God. Yes. God doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. He wants your heart. But the, Bible, but the problem is where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. There's a string to your wallet and your heart. Every time you go to pay for something, it's like, ah. It's tied there. How much for those shoes? Ah. How much do I give? Ah, there's, a, there's a string there. When we give, we're just saying, God, you're first. You're first in my finances. You're first. When was the last time you just simply threw your head back and said, God, I am yours? I'm yours. Family's yours. Church is yours. Business is yours. House is yours. It's all yours because it's easy to cling to earth if you're not careful. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you've received from God, you are not your own. <clears throat> you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Jesus died to buy our lives. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So God, he owns it all. Number two, if that's true, then let's act like stewards and not owners. Here's, stewards is like a fancy Bible word, just means manager. God owns it all. Manage it on his behalf. When's the last time we just said God what would you like me to do? Where would you like me to go? What would, what would you have me invest in? Because it's not mine anyway. And one of, one of the things people love about our church, they love a lot of things, but one of the things is that we don't spend too long on an offering. At the very end of service, is maybe 30 seconds. How many appreciate that? Come on, if you grew up in church, some, some of the churches I've been to, it's like 15, 20 minutes on an offering message. Hey, let's give, let's give, let's give, let's give. Hey, you, write that check. Hey, you spell thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D-S. I mean, you just... And then there's not enough to come in. Hey, we're gonna do one more offering. One more offering. Yeah. Let's roll that back. <laughs> we're like, we never listen, listen, listen. We never tell you to give here. Amen. I tell you, pray, ask God. Yeah. Amen. Just ask Him. Like, when's the last time we stopped at an offering? Just say, God, how much should we give <laughs> Amen. this week? How much should we do? Ask God. Psalm 24, verse one says, "It all belongs to Him. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it." in the world and all who live in it. Some people are like, nope, this is my stuff. I work for it. I had the idea. This is my website. This is all mine. Well, you're forgetting Deuteronomy chapter 8 that tells you, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He's the one who gave you the mind to think up that idea. He's the one who opened up a way for you to have that website. He's the one who gives you strength and breath in your lungs every single day to wake up when you don't want to, to go earn a living. So let's not, rem- let's not forget the very fact that we are able to earn a living is all from God. Number three, view everything through the lens of eternity. View everything through the lens of eternity. Look at your server today, your employee, your employer the student beside you, the, the teacher, their soul matters. View them as somebody who matters to God. Moses comes along in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. And the Bible says that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why, 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 why would he do this? Because he was looking ahead for his reward. Keep one eye on eternity. We are here. But we're living for there. And I'm not popping this on you. I want you to write this down. I want you to be intentional. Amen. I love this because it puts the ball in your court. Just be intentional. Everywhere you go, not just at church, yeah. to a waiter that God says bless to somebody on the, in the grocery line. I mean, there's a, there was this lady um, in the store the other day, and she had, she had all these groceries. Came up to $120, and she ran her card, and, and she, it, it declined. And so, as a pastor, as a man of God, um, as a representative of God, I stepped up and and I helped her put all those groceries back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so wrong. I'm joking. That was the worst. <laughs> now you, you pay for somebody's groceries and tell them God loves you, no strings attached. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Listen, I want you to enjoy this. When you begin to, when you begin to live a generous life, life becomes so fun. To, to leave like a $50 tip When your meal is $20, with a car that says God loves you, no strings attached, and you watch from the window as the waitress goes, oh, that's just fun. It's just fun. Now, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to love what we do. But listen, listen, listen. Wouldn't it be fun to reach more people? (laughs) Next Sunday is our legacy offering. This is going to be incredible because we take an entire offering and we just give it away. It's the biggest offering we have all year long because people give more to it than normal, which is great. And we're going to, next week, we write checks, fat checks to people in other areas of of ministry around the Bay Area. So we'll go to food shelters and and home for homeless shelters and, and other places that are making a difference here locally. And we just show up and say, from your family at Fellowship Church, God bless you. And they open up the checks. They start crying it's amazing. And then we start giving more to plant more churches in America. And then we plant other churches in other countries. And we're training churches to reach more people. So orphanages and all those things, places you will never go. But you will bless because we're leaving a legacy. It's not about us. It's about those who are not here yet. Listen, one day you'll be grateful for this teaching. When you stand in heaven and you see the long list line of people that are thanking you that you never met but thanking you because of what you gave. They're there. I think we'll just be speechless. You'll be grateful one day. You'll miss all the money you spend here. You'll miss all the money you waste here. You'll miss all the money you lose here. You'll miss all the money you you give to your (laughs) brother-in-law. That ain't coming back. (laughs) Like you'll miss some of it. Okay, write this last point down. You'll never miss what you invest in eternity. Amen. The thousands of dollars my wife and I have given over the last 20 years, we never missed it. Because we know it's an investment into people. Today, I want to remind you, somebody has invested into you being here. Now it's our time to pay it forward. Did you bow your heads with me? All over the room, if you're here, I'm praying that God would give you a new perspective of heaven that you'd see heaven in a new way, that you'd see the love of God, and the worthwhile investment. But maybe you're here today, and you say, Sean, my life isn't right with God. I know that. I need Him. I need a fresh start with God. Maybe you've never given the controls of your life to Jesus, or maybe you were once close to God, but you've drifted, you've strayed away. If that's you, I would love to pray with you right where you are. I'm not going to have you stand and come to the front. Our heart's not to embarrass anybody. It's to connect you to Jesus. That's you. Could you just do me a favor and shoot your hand up and say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it on the count of three? Come on, one, two, three. Lift it up. This is me. This is me. Yes, 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 yes,
1: yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Every yes is a hand. Every hand is a soul.
0: You are why we exist. And in this moment, could we just stretch our faith to God and say this out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today I give you my life. Forgive me from my sin and wash me clean. Thank you for dying for me and for being raised for me. Today raise me to a new life. Give me a fresh start in you. And be my Lord and Savior. Now use all of my gifts to build a legacy, to reach other people with your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Every say a good amen. amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for every hand that was raised today. <laughs> love you, love you, love you. So proud of you.